Hello. Welcome to episode two of the Oliver Manning Show. It's Sunday morning. It's 11.15. I'm on my sofa with a blanket over me. Um, I've just made a coffee. I feel a little bit like me and Emma, my wife, went to the, the war rooms, the museum in London. You know, the underground war rooms where they'd have meetings and all this kind of thing in World War Two. And uh, there was a little a little bedroom, very modest. Uh, it was Churchill's bedroom, where he did his his speeches over the radio from his bed, um, which is is hilarious, really. You know, they're, they're famous speeches. They've gone down in history. And uh, there he was, in his bed. Now, the content of, of this show is, is not going to inspire anyone to fight on the beaches or, you know, there's going to be no reference to, you know, never in the history of man. <laughs> I don't know much about Churchill. I can't do Churchill quotes, but there's there's one, isn't there? Never in the field of conflict have so many men given their lives for so many. I <laughs> let's quit while I'm ahead. Um, I don't know if you listened to episode one, which came out a few days ago. Um, to be clear, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I just have a desire to to talk to you. Uh, I find when I'm when I'm talking like this and just letting my my mouth run, it helps me to to think better and to have better ideas. And as I said in episode one, I've I've got a lot from listening to podcasts in my life, and uh, so I I want to give back. Um, anyway. On with the show. Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Chef. You're noticing a theme. Um, although his actually his last two books, which I haven't read, uh, Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors, he'd moved away from the 4-Hour titles. Um, his books are fantastic. He's, he's just, he's a self-made superhuman i would say you know he's rather than being incredible at any one thing i well, i would say he's incredible at teaching um but rather than being known for one thing he is just yeah a, a superhuman he really he knows how to live how to get the most out of every day and to share that with other people um now, I remember, I don't know where I read this or I listened to it on his podcast, but he was talking about when he's writing his books, which takes him a long time, writing stuff, reworking it just to get it just so, he will uh, he will give his friends uh, copies of the, the working drafts it's because, you know, they will see things that he, as the creator, doesn't see. Um, 
and he has a couple of rules for himself. Um, so one is, you know, if people object to anything that's in there, maybe it doesn't need to be in there. Not necessarily. He doesn't cut things just because, you know, friend one didn't like it. But everything that's in there, he thought should be in there. And it just opens up a little gap of creative doubt, which is very good. So, you know, he can tell, uh, yeah, maybe I didn't make this point clear enough. Or, oh, why am I making this point again? I've already made it three pages ago. Um, so he doesn't cut just because someone objects, but it is useful. But the more important rule, the one I want to talk to you about, is if somebody loves something, if someone reads what he's working on and really likes a certain thing, it stays. Okay, so bad feedback doesn't necessarily equal a cut, but good feedback, and these are from people that he trusts, from people who are themselves good writers, good thinkers, good feedback equals inclusion, definitely. Um, and the point of this is that the first episode of this podcast, sprawling 50-minute episode where I just spoke for almost an hour, 50 minutes, I apparently 12 people listened to it, which I was amazed by due to its length. Um, I don't know if that means, you know, the the, the distribution app that I use to to do the podcast. I don't know if it's telling me full plays or if it, you know, half a play registers. Anyway, 12 people at least tried to listen to it. And I've spoke to a couple of them. Um, a couple of people said, oh, listen to your podcast. Oh. Um, and the bit that they liked was the story about me ending up with the job selling vibrating matches to old people and uh, making up that I, you know, when I tried, I lied about phoning in sick and said that I talked to a woman called Sheila. I just made it up. Um, there was no Sheila and I got rumbled. Um, and I think that was about the first half an hour <laughs> of the podcast. And then it went into kind of being a little bit philosophical. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but the story was the was the funny bit. That was the bit people liked and that was the bit I had the most fun talking about. Uh, so this is, this podcast is, I'm going to focus, you know, until I think this is, a, it's a terrible idea. I'm going to focus on, you know, what, what funny things have happened to me in my life because there've been quite a few. Um, and I was trying to, I was trying to think of one and I have one to talk about today, which I'll get to. Um, but it just got me thinking about, about stories. And um, my family, we will tell the same story to each other at the dinner table. You know, some of them hundreds of times. They don't get old. Um, maybe, to, <laughs> maybe to someone that's not us, they get old. I don't know. But it, it, it's like hearing a, hearing a song that you love. You know, when... Um, my mom or dad 
tells a story of something that happened, you know, before I was even born. But I've heard the story so many times and laughed so many times that yeah, it it feels like I was there. Um, and it, it it makes me think of it's like the modern day equivalent of when um, in the Victorian times you would have a piano and you know everyone more people were able to just to play the piano than they are now and you know you would sing songs together there was no tv there was no radio you would sing songs after dinner and that was like how you came together as a family or if you had people over um and it's it's a you maybe you would you would sing the same songs each time um it's the same kind of thing, but we, but with stories, with little anecdotes, um, and you know, I just love. I'll tell you what I love, and I don't think I'm alone. Um, in fact, to tell you what I love, first I'll tell you what I don't love, and again, I don't think I'm alone. I think this is universal. I don't enjoy a story where everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Because that's not a story. In a story, there is conflict. And that doesn't mean there are people waving their fists at each other. It could, it could mean that. But conflict is merely... A violation of expectations. So, yeah, it, a story where oh, we we uh, we planned to go out for the day. Imagine if someone st started telling a story like this. We planned to go out for the day, and we you know we got everything ready, and um, and then we went out for the day, had a nice day. You know that's. Boo! That's not a story. That's just a, that's a non-event. Um, <laughs> and so, so I, I'm racking my brains for, you know, with that criteria. When in my life did I think one thing was going to happen? So I did X, and what actually happened was something <laughs> completely unpredictable um completely out of left field but it made it a story you know it made it funny um and i thought about the time when i was asked to stop playing during uh, a set i was asked to leave the place that i was playing a gig during the set um so that's the story I'm going to tell today. And it's taken me 12 minutes to <laughs> to get to the beginning of the story. <laughs> that's all right. At least I'm not I'm not charging anyone for this. Unfortunately. <laughs> um so anyway, the year was 2014, I would say. It could, yeah, no, 14. It was. It was. Um what was I doing at that point in my life? Well, I had quit working at a music school. Um, 
I'd just become a little bit bored and disillusioned. I quit thinking, well, I'll teach people privately. Um, and then in the meantime, for money, I, I'd start going busking more than I had been. And yeah, I was scraping by just on busking and then being offered offered the odd gig. And so I think I was teaching two people regularly over the over a sort of year and a half period where I didn't have a job and was living in Sheffield. Um, but yeah, no more than those two. So mainly I was busking and I recorded an EP and released it and had a, you know, had a launch night and a few gigs around then. And it was, I was, I was, uh, I was really happy with, with how it had gone. So I decided to take a week off, um, which was a strange idea for me because I didn't, it wasn't like I was rolling in the, the Benjamins, as they say. Um, but I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, of busking most days and these gigs and I've just put out an EP. So I'm going to take a week off. Um, and you know, on day one, Monday, I was very bored. Uh, I remember trying to go for a really long walk. Um, just so bored. Just, yeah. And I've, and then Tuesday I started feeling a little bit ill <laughs> and I thought, oh no, this is the end. Anyway, Wednesday, Thursday, I probably just watched TV and hung out with the people I lived with. Friday morning, I get a message from a man named Walter. Now, Walter had hired me a few times two or three years before to play in a restaurant in Crooks. He'd seen me busking. In, yeah, this is in about 2012. He'd approached me on Fargate and said, I'm, I'm running a restaurant. You know, it's quite a new, a new venture. Would you be willing to come and play for the, the diners? And it was a nice, nice restaurant. Um, I used to get a meal free. Uh, well, it's, you know, I think I got 50 pounds and dinner to play f for a while um, on a Friday night. And the food was really good. I, I, it was kind of, I guess, what would you call it? Great British cuisine. It was just, you know, posh versions of everyday food. Really nice though. And then he's, he stopped returning my calls and the the restaurant didn't last for very long i don't think um anyway so flash forward a few years and he was working in a restaurant uh as what's the word Ma maitre d i suppose greeter sort of head waiter i don't know what he was um this place in Callum island right and i had played there a few times in a jazz group around this time and so we'd been reacquainted anyway this 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 friday after i'd decided to take a week off and this is day 5 of my week off walter phones me and says the the owner 
and his family are coming in for a birthday meal. Um, I thought it'd be really nice if if you came and played the kind of songs that you used to play at, at the old restaurant a few years ago. You know, this is Cat Stevens songs, Simon and Garfunkel songs, all my, you know, all the things that I really like, just me and electric guitar and singing. Um, because there was going to be a jazz group that night and that had fallen through. And he, I guess he thought, well, it'd be better if, if there was live music, it'd be better to have some than none. So, even though I'd wanted to take a week off, I thought, sure, I'll do it. So I turned up, um, I had my complimentary pint of Peroni outside, um, and I plugged in and started playing. Um, I don't remember what songs. Uh, for some reason, I just think about Cat Stevens and Simon and Garfunkel. Anyway, I probably played for 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, it was it was meant to be a background thing. It wasn't like... I wasn't the star of the show. It was that kind of... You know, like how you'd have a pianist... Um, in the background of a restaurant. It was that kind of thing. Anyway, after 10 or 15 minutes of what I, what I can only describe as quite dirty looks from this table with the, the owner and his family, and I don't, I don't know whose birthday it was, probably his daughter. Um, Walter came up to me on the, not a stage, a little raised bit where the musicians went. And uh, he said, Oliver, I don't know how to tell you this. They want you to leave. <laughs> and I thought he was joking. I, I laughed. <laughs> what? They want me to leave. Well, why did you ask me to play? He said, I thought they'd like it. Um, they They don't like it at all. Um, they want you to go. So I started packing away. And um, what was funny <laughs> was that they didn't like what I was um, what I was playing. Fair enough. It was a little bit strange to uh, to ask somebody to to stop in the middle of a set, you know, after they've been asked to play. Um, but what was funny was they someone in the party, maybe it was the owner, I don't know, had a CD with them. And uh, so I stopped playing. I started packing away. Um, they agreed to, you know, Walter agreed that I would be paid the amount that I was supposed to be paid to do a whole gig. Um, you know, so no... I don't feel bad about Walter. I think he was just very embarrassed. You know, his his boss, the owner, um, was a little bit annoyed with him, I think, maybe, for paying me, I want to say, something like 75 quid. And I'd only done, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. No contract had been signed or anything like that. But, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to just leave after I'd, 
thought I was going to be playing there all night. I, you know, I could have been doing other things that night. So I got paid in full. Um, but sorry, what was funny was, yeah, someone in the party had a, had a CD. And keep in mind, this is a, a really classy place, or at least that's the vibe that they were trying to go for. It was called Brooklyn. Um, you know, and it, and they, they had a lot of jazz, a lot of live jazz music. And it was, you know, it was a classy, a classy place. And what I can only describe as house music was on that CD. And so as I'm packing away, I hear this kind of, music come on like louder than louder than you would normally have music on at a restaurant and you know whatever genre of music it was and uh, it just was so surreal you know I thought alright I'm not amazing but I'm sure everybody else I'm sure everybody that doesn't love house would rather have either me or silence. Um so as I as I left the venue um packing all my stuff away, put it put it in the car, I've been paid. I just kind of stood at the door and looked looked in at at, at the other diners and this house music. I think it was house music. I'm not I don't know a lot about dance music in general. I think, you know, anything that's is that house? You'll have to you'll have to email me allmanning at gmail dot com. Am I accurately describing house music? Is it music that goes and the songs are like five minutes long and they change very 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 subtly but not much happens is that house music um yeah so i just <laughs> i just looked in and the you know the owner in the table of you know the birthday party people they were having a good time you know with the house music playing and you know, me not playing um and everybody else <laughs> it just didn't it didn't seem right. Um, yeah, so that's that's the only time I've been kind of asked to to stop playing in the middle of a set. I think um, I've been asked to stop playing when I've been busking, but that's you know that you're not supposed to be there. No one's asked you to turn up on Fargate and play really loudly and annoy all the people in the shops. So that kind of makes sense when you're asked not to do that and um and you get heckles but but to to be asked to play you know tasteful material at a restaurant to be paid for it to do 10 or 15 minutes and then be told oh they want you to go um it it could have been a really annoying situation it could have been, but, and, and and it would have, actually, I think maybe if I hadn't been paid, I would have been more annoyed, 
Well, I would have been, I wasn't annoyed particularly. I wasn't particularly annoyed. I wasn't particularly offended. I think I probably would have been if they'd tried not to pay me. Um, and I know myself well enough to know that if they had tried to not pay me, I probably would have left it. <laughs> I don't think that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying I think that's probably what would have happened if they'd have said, uh, they want you to go. Well, can I have my money? Mm, no, you haven't really done the work. I would have probably uh, given in instantly, which is terrible. I don't. <laughs> I wish that weren't true, but it is. Um, so uh, in the first episode, I told the story about Moira and the vibrating mattresses job. Um, I think the point of that story was, you know, why do I want to do a podcast? Um, this story today, this is just a Sunday morning story. There's no point to it. Um, other than... Oh, no, there, there, there is a lesson. The thing I talked about at the beginning with Tim Ferriss, and he gets his friends to, to read his work. And if somebody likes something, it definitely stays. If somebody doesn't, then it's good feedback. You know, it's... You don't have to cut it out. And I think maybe that's just a good rule in life. You know, if you you do all kinds of things all day, and if you maybe can keep one eye open for, you know, what's getting a good response from the people I want it to get a good response from? You know, don't, don't, don't uh, give a second thought to what people you don't like or respect think about you. But the people you do like and respect, some of what you do, they'll go crazy for. They'll really like it. Um, and that's a good sign that you've found something you can double down on. Um, and if the people you you know, really like and respect, if there's things that they don't like, there's no, uh, you know, that doesn't mean instantly stop doing it. But maybe think about, do I want to do this thing that people don't seem to like? Um, you only need to do a very, very small amount of good things in life, you know, to have a good life. You only need to, need to find a very, very small amount of things you can do really well in a way that only you can do them. And uh, the way to find those is to is to seek seek feedback from the people you you like and respect and it doesn't have to be this formal process it doesn't have to be like tim ferris giving you his working draft of the 4 hour work week and asking what you thought of it you know just you know have a conversation with your mum um and you know you might say something that that makes her laugh and you, and you think, oh, yeah, that was funny. I was right to think that was funny. Um, but you might say something and she gets upset with you. Well, that doesn't mean you've done something wrong. Um, uh, anyway, my, uh, my coffee's probably cold by now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. Drink my coffee, get on with my Sunday.
and thank you for listening to episode two of the Oliver Manning Show. Any questions, email me at allmanning at gmail.com. Um, I don't know when there'll be a third episode. Could be tomorrow. Could be next week. I don't know. Uh, as I've said more than once, I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm having a good time doing it. See you next time.